Hello, I'm Joe Cabello, and welcome to Beat It, a screenwriting podcast where each episode breaks down a cult or junk food movie's main story beats, as per Save the Cat and other screenwriting books, or just the very nature of storytelling. A resource for aspiring screenwriters, storytellers, and people who just love movies. If you're not familiar with Save the Cat, or you're thinking, what the hell are story beats? They are basically what makes the main skeleton of a story. You can check out my website at jocabeo.com slash beatit for a written explanation, or you can check out my Breaking Down the Beats episode, which breaks it all down for you. Not every writer writes a screenplay with these beats in mind, and hell, even some writers hate Save the Cat and using a beat sheet like this. So why am I even doing this? Well, that's because there's a reason these story beats exist and are talked about. And I think you'd be surprised how often those beats are in movies, regardless if the writer consciously tried to include them or not. Stories are stories, after all. And why am I doing cult or junk food movies? That's because a lot of time and resources already get spent analyzing the Oscar-winning movies, but no one's looking at these junk food movie classics. I hope by looking deeper into these movies, we can appreciate them on a deeper level and forge ways to write even better junk food movies. Follow the show on Instagram at beat it screenwriting and let me know if there are any films you want us to cover or if you have any disagreements on my breakdowns i won't be offended this is for all of us to become better writers and storytellers and movie lovers and i might not always get it right i love to hear your thoughts on the show and it'll definitely be a work in progress as far as format and what kind of information i include so i want to hear from you and if you really like the show please support it on patreon at patreon.com slash beat it podcast even a dollar a month helps incredibly for hosting fees and for the time it takes to watch the movies and edit this ready the shuttle for launch today we're talking about the 1986 classic transformers hold on tight the most incredible rock and roll adventure ever is here to the shock starring judd nelson as hot rod leonard nimoy as galvatron and orson It's the ultimate battle between Autobots and Decepticons. Beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. Transformers, the movie. I wanted to choose this movie because it's a classic for any Transformers fan or kid of the 80s, but I'll be honest, I never had much respect for it. When I rewatched this movie a couple years ago, I thought it was a total mess, and it pretty much is in a lot of ways, but when I really paid attention and got past the death of my childhood hero, I could finally appreciate the glorious structure that holds it all together. And I wanted to do this movie to do a special segment where I show you how you can use movies you love to create your own stories that have all the essential story beats while still being their own original works. So after we break down Transformers, we're going to use its basic beats to create an original movie. I'm not saying it's going to be a good movie, but you'll see just how you, a lazy screenwriter, can copy someone's work without getting caught, just by changing the answers a little bit. For that reason, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details of Transformers, like certain smaller character story arcs. This one is going to stay nice and simple. Transform and get us out of here! 
The IMDB synopsis reads, The Autobots must stop a colossal planet-consuming robot who goes after the Autobot Matrix of leadership. At the same time, they must defend themselves against an all-out attack from the Decepticons. As you'll find out, there's no better way to describe this movie, but let's see if this movie is more than meets the eye. Opening image. Floating through space, we see the Death Star, I, I mean Unicron, the planet-sized robot who eats other planets. And when I say eats, I mean eats. You literally hear cartoonish chomping noises as he devours a robot planet. It's complete and utter genocide. With cute nom-nom sounds. A planet decimated in the first scene, you know what that means. Our heroes will have to stop this menace from devouring them and everything they love. In this opening image, we see the foe, and we know we have a time limit for the movie's events. The time limit isn't explicit, but we know it's before Unicron eats everything. The setup. One thing you have to understand about this movie is that pretty much the entire first act is devoted to a battle between the Autobots and the Decepticons with the sole purpose of killing off 90% of the main characters to make room for the new toy line. Yes, it was terribly upsetting for children who wanted to see their favorite characters overcome the odds over the course of an hour and a half, not die horrible deaths in the first 20 minutes. So with that in mind, let's see what this movie sets up. The Autobots gear up to take back their home planet from the Decepticons. But from secret staging grounds on two of Cybertron's moons, the valiant Autobots prepare to retake their homeland. Hot Rod is a good-hearted young Autobot who still has a lot to learn. He's young, brash, and reckless, but he's got the hero's spirit. Will he learn to grow up and be taken seriously? Well, he better, because make no mistake, he's the main character of the movie. Ultra Magnus leads the team of Autobots on Earth in Optimus' stead, I guess because he's also a truck? Apparently that immediately makes you a leader of the Autobots, but he is not the main character. Trust me. And most importantly, we hear the touch for the first time. You got the touch! You got the power! Catalyst. Privy to the Autobots' plan to take back Cybertron, the Decepticons hijack one of the Autobot spacecrafts and attack Autobot City on Earth. It's a clear-cut catalyst. Because think about how the rest of the movie would go if this event didn't happen. The Autobots would be successful in their plan to take back Cybertron and immediately get killed by Unicron. There would be no movie, no situation for the characters to grow. The Debate Ultra Magnus makes the call to hide out in Autobot City while they wait for Optimus to come and save them. Which of course he does, cause he's Optimus. Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. You Got the Touch plays again, and not for the last time. You got the touch. You got the power. And Optimus kicks everyone's ass until he reaches the big gun, Megatron. One shall stand, one shall fall. After getting pistol whipped by Optimus, Megatron asks for mercy like some little punk ass. No more Optimus Prime! Grant me mercy, I beg of you! But sorry Megatron, cause Optimus Prime is just a freaking quote machine in this first act. You, who are without mercy, now plead for it? I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Too bad Megatron wasn't just being a punk ass, he was being a sneaky ass too. He pulls a gun on Optimus. Hot Rod tries to intervene against it, but it's no use. Optimus gets hit, leading us to... 
Theme stated. With Optimus on his deathbed, he grants the Matrix to Ultra Magnus, who doesn't believe he's ready. Ultra Magnus, it is to you, old friend. I shall pass the Matrix of Leadership as it was passed to me. But Prime, I'm, I'm just a soldier. I, I'm not worthy. Nor was I. But one day, an Autobot shall rise from our ranks and use the power of the Matrix to light our darkest hour. You aren't born ready to be a hero. It's something you become through your actions. That's something that Hot Rod and the rest of the team will have to put to the test. How do you persevere and become the hero when you don't feel like you are one? Honestly, to hear Optimus Prime, the total badass, admit that he wasn't always ready to be the ass-kicking leader he is now, is refreshing and beautiful. Break into two. We break into two when Prime succumbs to his injuries and dies. Prime, you can't die! Much to the horror of every single child ever. As mentioned earlier, before he dies, he bequeaths the Matrix, the MacGuffin of the movie, to Ultra Magnus. But before he can hand the Matrix off to Ultra Magnus, he drops it. Luckily, Hot Rod catches it, which is only important because of foreshadowing. You got the touch! Now we're into Act 2. With their beloved leader gone and their crew in shambles, Ultra Magnus must lead the Autobots to forge on against the Decepticons. But the Decepticons are also suffering their own shakeup. B story. After Starscream throws Megatron and the other injured Decepticons off the ship, Unicron finds them. He's got an offer for Megatron. Find the Matrix and return it to him, since it's the only thing that could possibly destroy him. Weird thing to give that away, but okay. Megatron refuses because he's a strong, independent Decepticon, but ultimately says yes since the alternative is eternal pain at the hand of Unicron. Unicron bestows power to Megatron, transferring him into Galvatron, voice acted by Leonard Nimoy. So we get the Beast story as Megatron, but it's not really Megatron, it's Galvatron. I don't know what's happening. The theme of this Beast story ties in with the themes of leadership and power. Megatron is granted great power and leadership, but the power is never truly his, and it can be taken away at any second by Unicron. Nobody summons Megatron! What good is it to be a leader or to have immense power if you are unable to truly wield it or if you're not ready? That's the question that really troubles Ultra Magnus as he accepts the Matrix of Leadership. Promise of the Premise Let's blast through the P.O.P. Promise of the Premise. Like I mentioned in the B story, the Decepticons fight over leadership. Well, as Megatron has, how shall we say, departed, I nominate myself as the new leader! Starscream's crowning ceremony gets ruined by Galvatron. Who disrupts my coronation? Unicron eats part of Cybertron, inhaling Bumblebee and the human guy, which Galvatron isn't too happy about. How dare Unicron! Cybertron and all its moons belong to me! And Hot Rod gets the feeling that the Matrix can destroy Unicron. Somehow. It must be the touch. You got the touch! Midpoint! Just as Hot Rod is trying to tell the group that he thinks they should take things more seriously, 
the new Decepticons, led by Galvatron, track down the Autobots and attack. Ultra Magnus proves not to be quite the Optimus replacement. Jumpin' Hot Rod just bought it! I can't deal with that now! Ultra Magnus separates the ship, sending one half of the crew God knows where and allowing his half of the ship to escape. Not exactly WWOD. What would Optimus do? It's here that we start to see that Hot Rod is already changing a little bit. He's taking things more seriously. All the while, Ultra Magnus is hit with his first big test as leader, and he doesn't do so well. Quick sidebar. The Autobots suffer a loss in both the beginning of the movie in that first battle where Optimus Prime dies, as well as this one. But I find this one to be a much more frustrating fight, and I mean that in a good way. You're frustrated that it's not going well for them. You're frustrated that they're making the wrong choices. I think that's what makes this such a bitter and dramatic loss. As great as that first act fight between the Decepticons and Optimus is, and how emotional Optimus Prime's death is, this defeat plays as much more interesting and impactful to me, and I think that's because at this point, there's a lot more character development, and as early as that first battle between the Decepticons and Autobots happens, you don't know enough about the characters to really care as much as you possibly could. This midpoint is an even greater defeat, and it really heightens the stakes for the second half of the movie. Everything gets a whole lot tougher. Bad guys close in. Thanks to Ultra Magnus's quick thinking, his part of the ship regularly lands on the planet Junk, while Hot Rod, Cub, and the Dinobots part of the ship crash lands on a hostile planet. Thanks a lot, Ultra Magnus. Hot Rod and Cub are sent to judgment in the world's most predictable court show. Guilty or innocent. Spare me this mockery of justice. I repeat, guilty or innocent. Innocent. And Unicron sends Galvatron to the planet Junk to take the Matrix. That sounds like the most bad guys closing in thing I've ever heard. All is lost. Open. Damn it, open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Those are Ultra Magnus' last words before he's killed by Galvatron and the Matrix is stolen. That's two Autobot leaders down in one movie, and we've still got a half hour to go. Sounds like a dark night of the soul. Ultra Magnus is dead and the Matrix is gone. Under Ultra Magnus' leadership, the Autobots have lost everything. At the same time, Cub and Hot Rod are sentenced to death by Piranabot. And to add insult to injury, the citizens of the planet Junk have come to attack the remaining Autobots. Break into three. Cub and Hot Rod are rescued by the Dinobots with the help of a new friend who helps them find a ship to reunite with the Autobots on planet Junk. The Autobots are reunited and thanks to Hot Rod's universal greeting, the TV talking citizens of planet Junk decide to help them, giving them ships and an army at their disposal. What was that universal greeting again? Never mind, I remember. Ba weep grana, weep ninny bong. 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 They heal Ultra Magnus because his toy lion wasn't ready to get discontinued and are ready to take on Unicron. Man, Hot Rod is really killing it now. 
It's almost like he's gearing up to be the new leader of the Autobots. This is a great way to break into three because now everyone is stronger, everyone is more focused and regrouped. They're ready to take on the final battle. You're sitting in your seat saying, oh shit, the rest of this movie is the final battle. Finale. Unicron transforms, unleashing a full attack on Cybertron. Galvatron is like, hell no, taste my matrix. Too bad Galvatron doesn't have the touch. Cybertron swallows him up for bad behavior. The Autobots get there and lay siege on Galvatron, entering him in a non-sexual way. Deep inside Unicron, Hot Rod fights Galvatron while the others rescue the leftover Autobots. You Got the Touch plays one more time as Hot Rod defeats Galvatron and uses the Matrix to become Rodimus Prime. With the power of the Matrix and the right worthy hands, Unicron is destroyed and our heroes escape. As new leader of all Cybertron, Rodimus Prime calls for peace and unity, no more war. Final image. We see Unicron's severed head float through space lifeless, no longer a threat like we saw him at the beginning of the movie. So let's do a quick recap. Opening image, Unicron eats a planet. Catalyst, the Decepticons attack the Autobots. Break into two, Optimus Prime is killed. Midpoint, the Autobots get separated. All is lost, the Matrix is taken. Break into three, the Autobots are reunited and have the help of new friends to attack Unicron. Dark Knight of the Soul, Cub and Hot Rod are sentenced to death, and Ultra Magnus is dead. Final image, Hot Rod, now Rodimus Prime, is the new leader of Cybertron. Peace has been made. Unicron is dead. He's no longer a threat. In the two past episodes for Street Fighter and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I talked about what made those movies work in terms of structure. I want to do something a little different with this one and talk about why it doesn't exactly work. As much as I love this movie, I don't think it quite holds up the way that Street Fighter and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles do. Sure, it has a sound enough structure as we've talked about here, but a main thing it's missing for anyone who's not a fan and just wanted to watch this movie is clear character motivations. I mean, we really don't know what Hot Rod or Ultra Magnus want, or we don't even really know that either of them is or isn't the main character. So even though as I explain what happens beat for beat in this movie, you still don't really know what the hell is happening. Yes, it's similar to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where the first act break, the team loses their leader and they have to face a big foe. We know that, but who cares really? If we knew more about what the characters needed and wanted, and what their growth was going to be at the beginning of the movie, we'd be more invested. It really goes to show you, you could have all this cool stuff, but you need characters who have a clear want. For that reason, I'm really not confident you could show this to somebody who'd never watched it or cared about Transformers before, and have them actually fully enjoy it. While something like Street Fighter or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think they would. This can be a big problem for ensemble movies based off characters that fans already know from a TV show or a comic book. But no matter who the character is or how many people know about them, you need to set up clearly who the character we're following is and what they need or want to defeat. That could be something inside of them or it could be a big planet-eating planet. Now let's create a whole new movie based off what we just dissected. I'm going to use very broad strokes for this story, so it won't be highly detailed, but I think you'll still get the point. 
I'm also going to use the pre-established character of King Arthur, which in and of itself is a little bit of a cheat, but I think it'll help us understand it all without getting too lost on new character names. Let's jump in. Here's our synopsis. King Arthur's knights must stop an undead horde who goes after the legendary sword. At the same time, they must defend themselves against an all-out attack from their rival army. Opening image. An undead horde attacks a village, leaving it in ruins. Setup. King Arthur prepares to retake his castle from the rival army known as the Bad Guys. We meet Rod, a young brash knight with a hero's spirit, and Sir Truckman, the second-in-command. Catalyst. Privy to King Arthur's plan, the Bad Guys attack King Arthur's camp. Debate. Sir Truckman defends the camp while they wait for King Arthur's reinforcements. Theme stated. But King Arthur, I am Sir Truckman, just a soldier. I'm not worthy. Nor was I. But one day a knight shall rise from our ranks and use the power of the sword and light our darkest hour. Break into two. King Arthur is mortally wounded defeating the bad guy's leader. He gives the sword to Sir Truckman. B Story The undead horde revives the bad guy's leader, giving him great power at the cost of enslavement. He's tasked with retrieving the sword. Midpoint, the bad guys, led by the now undead bad guy leader, find Sir Truckman's men and attack. As a result of the battle, Sir Truckman is separated from his other knights. He escapes to an unfamiliar town, while Rod and some of the knights escape to a mysterious forest. All is lost slash dark knight of the soul. The bad guys find Sir Truckman and kill him. The sword is stolen, but the bad guys won't give the sword to the undead. They will try to kill them with it. Break into three. Rod and the others are reunited. Using the help of some magical friends found in the forest, they revive Sir Truckman. They must stop the evil undead horde. Finale. The Arthurian knights fight the undead horde, with Rod taking on the undead horde's leader, defeating him. Final image. Rod is the new king. He creates unity. Notice how every single one of those beats is exactly what happened in the Transformers movie. We literally kind of just mad libsed it. The thing is, if you actually tried to write this movie, it would end up being completely different from Transformers. Why? Because your characters would have different motivations and make different choices. Sure, those main pillars of the story beats might be the same or similar, but it's really all about how a character chooses to do things. What are the choices they make and where does that lead them and why? Now this is a really weird movie to do this for simply because it's not the greatest movie, but I think its failures happen purely in lack of character development. So you could literally take the structure, jam pack your first act with character development and you might have the better version of this movie and no one would even know. Now I really don't think this is the best way to write a script necessarily, but let's say you're someone who just doesn't even know where to start and you're too intimidated. Well, just watch your favorite movie or the movie that's similar to the one you want to write and try out this tactic. Then just write your movie. You'll have the confidence to know that at the end of the day, it will feel like a movie. And if it's between doing that or never writing your first screenplay, do this. 
Thank you so much for listening. And if you liked the show, please donate on Patreon at patreon.com slash beatitpodcast. Also find the show on Instagram at instagram.com slash beatitscreenwriting. And we're also on Facebook. Just search Beat It Screenwriting. It would really help if you left a review. Either just mark it five stars or add a caption. It helps us get seen. And I don't even know why I say us. It's just me doing this, which is more reason why I need your support. We'll be back in two weeks, which will be our regular schedules, about one episode every two weeks, unless we can get loaded with Patreon subscribers. Then I could do this a lot more frequently. Well, thank you and have a great week.